0: Hi, I just figure I should call back and do my own secret, because the introduction to the secret hotline is very kind and considerate as far as trigger warning, suicidal thoughts. And I guess my secret, well, I know my secret is that I found a suicide note from my mom, who was gone for a little while. We found her, so it's not... That's out of a story, but I live with the fear of being a mother because I don't know how we get to that point. I do know how, and I think that's what's scary, is that it happens to anyone and everyone. And I couldn't imagine making a child feel what I felt that day. And it's not selfish, it's not anything, It's just is. But yeah, my secret is that I am afraid to parent anything other than an animal because of the experiences that I had with a parent wanting to leave Earth. Not just my life, just Earth.
1: From Love and Radio, you're listening to the Secrets Hotline at 1 929 Secrets. I'm Nicholas Vanderkolk. A quick note the rest of this episode is going to be my conversation with the opening caller. And just in case it wasn't totally clear, her mom was found safe. I only mention that because I have no interest in creating any kind of confusion around that fact to build some kind of narrative tension or whatever. Um, Also, as should be fairly obvious by now, this show deals quite extensively with suicidal thoughts. So, you know, that might not be something you ought to be listening to. I don't know. You have to decide that for yourself. Okay, here we go. Hi.
0: Hi.
1: It's Nick. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. Thank thanks for doing this.
0: Yeah, I mean it will be interesting. I I have no idea what your plans are. So Uh,
1: I don't know if I have a plan either. Uh I, I guess <laughs> way before you even found the letter, I mean, were you were you aware that your mom had these, these tendencies?
0: So growing up she would say she wanted to disappear disappear. Or run away.
1: Do you have any strong particular memory of like a time that she expressed wanting to disappear? What did that look like?
0: Mostly it just looked like crying behind a bathroom door here and there. Or there was one specific that I remember it was midday, summer. I literally grew up around three cornfields. Each side of us, one neighbor. And she had disappeared and we could not identify where she was now we were young kids we couldn't take care of ourselves that well that was like before cell phones were a thing so we couldn't text somebody we can text her we can say where where are you there was a house phone and we wouldn't have had any idea how to reach our grandma or our dad it was just shocking (laughs) we were small enough to not know who to call It's a scary thing for a kid to not know where their parent went, and especially she was a stay-at-home mom. We were a high-communicated family. We always, we had to let each other know what we were doing, where we were going. Said, I love you every time before we left. She was hiding in a minivan the entire day.
1: What would you and your siblings do? Were you like freaking out looking for her, or did you just sort of go, well, let's just go do her thing then, I guess?
0: outside calling her name you know we were like kids who had lost their mom mm-hmm. in a grocery store but we were home so we were just saying mom calling her name and that was a harder thing to learn later that she could hear us I guess we weren't upset enough you mm-hmm. know
1: when she would come out like what was that like was she back to normal or did she seem withdrawn or what yeah. was
0: withdrawn, but she would kind of act like nothing happened, just like with the letter. We've never spoken about it. They will not talk about it.
1: So, yeah. So tell me about finding the letter. Like, how long ago was this?
0: It was in 2019. It was fairly normal for me to stop and see her on my way home from work. I went into the house and usually she'd be sitting at the kitchen table. So I walked there and there's a notebook that we... We'll pass notes back and forth and leave like, hey, run in to do this, wait for me, or hey, brewing coffee, little things. I open it to where the pencil was, and it was just, I'm sorry. I don't want to be here anymore. She admitted that there were many reasons to live, but that it just was too hard. She had grandkids and kids. All those things were kind of noted, but just that it was too much. And the financial burden of existing, she had just lost her sister and that she was going to kill herself and that we would essentially be better off for it. We would have financial gain from it even. What can you say to any of that, but can you just throw money at that pro- I don't know just I'm analyzing it now, but that's not what happened then, obviously. What happened then is that I pick up my phone and I start calling and I call and I call. There's no answer. <laughs> Sorry.
1: No, it's okay. Take your time.
0: The moment really felt like I had missed her. And that she had swallowed a bottle of pills and was parked somewhere. You know, my my body chemistry didn't know the difference because there was no answer, she wasn't there. Like, just like when she had disappeared, there was no, no, like I'm letting you know, but this time there was, I'm going to kill myself. And I, did, I don't know, I just remember crying and calling my sister. My sister said that she was going to call the police, so the police showed up, and because there's a letter, legally, at any point, if they had found my mom, she would have to go to the hospital because there was a letter and had said her plan and said goodbye. My sister texted her let her know that cops were called just in case that she had her phone, and it worked. She came back. It worked. When she walked in, the officer had just arrived right before she did and was reading the note. So he, she was just said, I'm so pissed at you guys. Probably in the, a little more vulgar way. She's just like an Italian sailor with her swear words.
1: Mm-hmm. But you can, you can swear with yeah. me. It's Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Not to, to get out of the habit just because it's, like, such aggressive and, and just don't want to be angry. But, yeah, it's just kind of like, fuck you, I'm pissed at you.
1: For calling the cops and reading the note and everything.
0: Yeah. And then he took her, and I love my mom, and she's beautiful, and she's charming, and she's so intelligent. They just didn't book her. They didn't think that she needed to go to a mental institution. They said that all that it required her to do was... Have one therapy appointment to get cleared and checked out of the hospital. Life has kind of been like, I don't want to say suicide watch, because that's excessive, but you no, know, I've not left very far from where I can reach her. I'm not. I'm not ever not concerned about, you know, finding one again. Yeah, I've never spoken to her about it. Just kind of like the day she disappeared in the We just don't talk about it. Yeah, I've talked to therapists about it. It's not something that I let sit dormant, but I do with her. And the day I found the letter was probably the day that I decided that maybe mothering was too hard. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, just on top of everything else that makes life hard, which we all know is true. This bright, beautiful, like, vibrant woman. And it's scary because she's also been to therapy and she's also like I said since a little older age has dabbled with depression medicines and you know there is I don't want to say there's been a lack of any effort but almost makes it more scary
1: do you think about bringing it up with her
0: she does like the hotline so I don't know if she'll ever hear it, but I don't. I really don't. I honestly anticipate the guilt will make her. I, it's just that thing you learn about a person and then you have to kind of be aware, You have to be hyper aware. And I don't want to say tiptoe because it's not exactly the answer. I'm an adult and I have my own boundaries now, but. There's that, that, that element of her anger, I think, that is still pointed at my sister and I. And that's just always a s- small passenger in the room now. So it's not worth addressing until we're in like a safe zone. And I don't know when that would be. I guess I wish that she wanted to, you know? Yeah. And like in that moment, still as, child just wanting to reach out but still feeling like that's her job you know that's her job and she's wonderful and I hope that we can get to that safe space where there's a conversation but I just think there's a lack of accountability there and it's not my place because I'm not the one who was sick do you know what I mean yeah So I feel selfish even making the pain mine, but I can't have compassion for her and not for myself. So I'm trying to to do that.
1: Yeah, I I definitely don't think it's selfish for you to think about how this affects you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just worry that I'm not honoring... The sickness that's there, you know? The, the part of a person that really needed help and just didn't get it, yeah. you know? I never would want to make a child feel that towards me as their parent. Nick, I was a kid who always said, I'm never going to have kids. I never want children. And I never really... I've thought too much about it until now I'm 30. A lot of people around me in my circle have children at this age or are kind of beginning to. And it's still not it's still not really a desire yet. I love kids. I love children. Just kind of a danger feels like. My sister has 3 children. And my brother's two years younger and he has one. And they couldn't fathom, you know? But I bet if somebody had asked my mom, she would have said the same thing. So.
1: And I assume they're not going through similar kinds of stuff that your mom has.
0: Well, it's not entirely true. No. My younger brother has definitely intrusive thoughts there. I think the difference is the level of awareness. Like, we're always talking about things, so he was very quick to get help. So, he's a great dad, but it's not that the thought hasn't been there. The genetic aspect of mental diseases, I mean, it's very real. And its I don't want to say people who want to have children should do whatever they want. But for me, the level of awareness and uh, fear of repercussions that might be are enough. I just don't want to damage another little being ever. That's all. (laughs) I know I went on for a
1: minute, but no, it's okay though.
0: thank you for letting me go on. Of
1: course. Um, listen, will you keep in touch? Let me know how this sort of unfolds.
0: Yeah. I'll keep you posted. I'm hoping that everything goes well, but I hope that you never hear from me again. Other than, love what you're doing. Thank you. It's so great to talk to you.
1: Likewise. I know this is not easy to talk about. Most people that I contact, they turn me down. They don't want to talk about
0: it. It's nerve-wracking for sure. It's nerve-wracking for sure. I appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate it, too. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. That's it for the Secrets Hotline. For now. Part of the reason that I wanted to play this conversation is once in a while people call me because their secret is that they're having suicidal thoughts. And if that's the case for you, don't call some dumb podcast. Call an actual suicide hotline with trained professionals. If you're in the U.S., that number is 988. Of course, you can always leave any other kind of secret or any other feedback you might have about the show at 929 secrets or at SecretsHotline.org. If you change your mind and you call back within 24 hours, I will not publish your call. Our opening theme is by George Langford and our end theme by Stephen Jackson. The Secrets Hotline is a labor of love and radio and made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. Thank you. If you want to help keep the show going, you can contribute at loveandradio.org slash member or help people discover the show by writing a review in your favorite podcast app. I'm Nicholas Sardine, Punch Punch Vander Kolk. Thank you for listening.